Welcome to the Best Player Wins Podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. I am your host today, Jake Deamer, and joining me is Jordan Walk. What's up, everyone? Glad to be here. So we have the the dean. Is it the dean of the of the institute? What's your official? I am title? the dean. I am the dean of the Walk Institute of Research. Yes. So we're gonna get we're gonna get to hear some of uh, what what goes on at the at the institute, the research that he that goes on there, some of the uh, some of the strategies that Jordan has implemented this year. But first, let's get into last week um, with the prior week recap. Uh, we'll start with the matchup predictions outcome. Another really tough week for the hosts of the podcast. Not so much for the guests. They're kind of smoking us this season, but uh, Nate and I both went two and four. Uh, really not a good week for either one of us. Jerowin was our guest. He went four and two. Uh, so we're going to get to, we're going to look to turn that around this week. Well, me and Nate is not here. Uh, so let's get right into it with our two, with our big takeaways. Uh, we're we're do, only doing two this week. So, Jordan, what is your first big takeaway? Nate, I'm going to ask you to skip the next uh, 30 to 40 seconds, I guess, of this podcast. I'm just going to get right into it. Baseball is a game of inches. Once again, the median was a nail-biter. Not only was it a nail-biter for, um, for the teams against it, though, but it also was a head-to-head matchup. It was the difference between a 2-0 week and an 0-2 week between Demons in the infield and Gone Forever. I'm very interested to look back in August, um, peek back at this matchup and see what could have been if it was just flipped slightly. If, you know, maybe Nate needs those two wins or where uh, Eddie would be if he had those two losses. So um, I think it's going to be one to really uh, impact the standings, especially with the tight uh, division. Yeah, that was wild. I probably should have made this my league history fact. I didn't. I'm wondering if this is the closest matchup we've ever had. Uh, at least, I, at least I don't remember one where it was. It was not only a close head-to-head matchup, but it also had the the median in it for the extra win. That was pre- that was really crazy. It came down to the final game, and just the sequence of events yeah. that led to. I think it was Eddie the eighth inning. Head. Yeah, it was wild. It, I mean, it was the. I think it was an. What was it? An error and. Hit by pitch, but Broad yeah. ended up bringing I didn't watch in Edmund. But, but Nate was saying it was like an air because we were t- we had the whole debate about unearned runs and all that. So I think it was a it was a whole mess. But Eddie moves on to no. Yeah, my first big takeaway is the league is unpredictable, even more so than last year. And I think this is just evidence. Uh, you can see this kind of reflected in our matchup picks. Like Nate and I have both been just dreadful picking games this year. And I did not feel at any point last year that that was really the case. I thought we were pretty, pretty good at it. Uh, I don't, I don't remember too many below 500 weeks we had, and here I am sitting at 500 on the year and just in matchup predictions. And this feels, I I know that we've talked about how a lot of, none of the rosters really seem to be too, too many tiers ahead of anybody else, but I think this really shows that we it's kind of the field's pretty wide open this year and um, it's really tough to predict on a week to week basis. Who's going to win. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, you said exactly right. I want to say that both you and Nate were hitting close to like 55, 60% um, of your picks last year. And here, 
you guys are we're in uh mid-may and you guys are both pretty pretty close to around 500 so it's it's been it just is a testament to all of the owners and managers in this league i mean like um you know we've had a lot of people that have been doing this for a long time and i think a lot again with all the keeper turnover that we've had um we're seeing different different teams rise up and we're seeing different teams falter and it's just been a really exciting year so far and yeah we're, we're, in first, in. we're in for a wild playoffs if this this keeps up yeah. Uh, what's your second takeaway? My second takeaway is Courtney is back. Um, Courtney listens to the podcast. She puts all the bulletin board material on the dugout, and um, she has taken exception to all the slander that has been going on with uh, the lack of a rebrand. Um, notorious Courtney guy, Bryce Harper, actually really went off last week, putting up a whopping 50 po- 54 points, which was the top hitter. Second overall player, only to nasty Nestor Cortez. Yeah, I think we actually kind of reverse jinx Courtney with all the I not only on the podcast, but I I do kind of regularly remind her that her team name sort of sucks, and I think that uh, I think that that's we almost uh, did like a reverse jinx where, like you said, it's all this bulletin board material now. The guys have rallied around the name and. It, it's really it's too late to do anything about it i guess at this point yeah i totally agree i mean i i i love team cdm it is a staple in this league yeah i mean if it's not, if it was gonna get, if it wasn't getting changed before i don't think it's it definitely is not getting changed now uh so I'm gonna, my second takeaway is this is the final week uh well for part one of divisional play so the way our schedule set up this year we have everybody plays everybody else in their division then we have in the middle, it, we have uh, kind of our, I guess, our interleague play. Everybody remembers MLB used to do that when I had a 16-14 split. Uh, they had the National League and American League exclusively play each other for the first part of the season. Then they would have interleague play, and that's and, and that was really the only time that the two leagues uh, interacted. And then move the Astros over to the American league and that kind of ceased to exist. It's just interleague play all the time because it's 15 and 15 now, but I thought it'd be cool to set kind of set up our schedule, how MLBs used to be since we had kind of the correct amount of weeks that we could do that in. So we're coming up on our interleague play. And the really interesting thing here is this is kind of the last week or I think the next six weeks because it'd probably be seven. Cause I think there is an extended matchup in there where you're going to have real ground to make, we're going to be able to directly make up ground on your divisional opponents and uh, kind of looking to see what happens here. I know that I I'm playing Nick this week. That's kind of a big matchup. Uh, I see Sam is kind of on upset alert versus Brendan. That's another big one. So it's going to be the last time in a, in a couple months that you're playing your divisional opponents. This will be the last time in a while that you can directly make up ground. Yeah, I'm uh, excited for it. I think, honestly, one of the premier matchups is me, uh, my matchup with Eddie, the top two teams in the West at this point. Yeah, I guess it's going to be interesting, too, kind of looking ahead. Will the East kind of reign supreme in that interleague play? play it? Will, will it actually show up as we've all been touting it as the, the tougher division? Will it actually show up and be the tougher division in interleague play? I think that'll be something interesting to watch. Yeah. Uh, so... 
Moving on to our top three standings update, we have the East Division in first. No, no change in the top two. Freedom All-Stars is first at nine and one. We pull out hitter at eight and two is second. My team coming, coming off a one and one week moves up to third. JC drops out after an 0 and two week. I'm at six and four. Uh, in the West Division, no change at the top. Gone forever. Eddie still in first place at seven and three. The Walk Institute of Research still in second at six and four. Team C. Deemer climbing up the rankings after not rebranding at five and five. Uh, moving on here, we got we only had one trade. I feel like we we had a ton of trades in the beginning, and it's really slowed down a lot in recent weeks. But uh, we only had one trade, and it was kind of a not a real exciting trade. It was Brennan gives up Zach Plezak and Anthony Rendon. No surprise who's all who's involved with this trade. Mike gives up Jordan Montgomery and Tristan McKenzie. Uh, Jordan, what were your thoughts on this one? Yeah, initially I wasn't super excited about it. Not a lot of big names in this one, but after kind of digging more more into doing some research um, in the Institute, we looked and saw that uh, Anthony Rendon has been looking like his old self again. He had a tough year last year, but it seems like he's kind of turned the corner. Um, one thing that I thought was really interesting though, is if you look at Brendan's team, how much injury, um, he has at the pitching position. So I think that he gets a pretty good return here, getting two much needed starting pitchers. Yeah. I think this kind of helps both. Um, Mike sort of had a black hole with third base. Um, I know he don't, I know he, he has Matt Chapman there, but he's been, he has not looked good. Uh, Rendon kind of provides stability there. I do actually like McKenzie and Montgomery. I think McKenzie is going to be a little inconsistent, but he's pretty good. And uh, Montgomery is someone you can throw in when he has those uh, easier matchups. And, of course, he's always kind of in play for a win with the Yankees offense backing him. But, yeah, I think this one's kind of a, I guess, kind of a wash in terms of overall value. Uh, it's pretty even for me. So I, I don't really disagree with anything you said there. One thing I do want to add is I am a Tristan uh, McKenzie fan. As as Mike, I think, said a couple weeks ago on the podcast, I have asked him multiple times for Tristan McKenzie, so I do enjoy him. All right, so that leads us into the next portion of our podcast. This is going to be something new. I'm thinking we might do this a little more with uh, when we just have some guests on. Uh, Mike, it, we're going to be doing kind of a manager interview. Um, this is sort of to just get – I'm going to ask Jordan a couple questions just – uh, kind of get his kind of get his thoughts on his own on his strategies, uh, just things that he looks for, favorite stats, uh, things of that nature. Just to, I think it would be very interesting if we could just. I know that we've heard me and me and Nate our thoughts a lot on how we kind of approach fantasy baseball, but I think as we get more guests on here and we kind of talk to them and and uh, just sharing ideas how we're approaching this game, we. Uh, just be an interesting topic. So I'll start off with, I guess, Jordan, just transactions are a big part of this game, especially the waiver wire. Um, why don't you give us an insight into some of your transactions this week? I noticed you made quite a few coming into the, coming into this week. Why don't you give us just a couple thoughts on this? Yeah. Uh, before getting into that, I'm actually just really excited to be part of this. Cause I, I texted Jake about the segment weeks ago and here i am definitely did not expect to be the uh the first person to be doing the the manager interviews so 
I'm gonna I'm gonna get into two transactions that I made last week. Um, first one was adding uh, Ramon Laureano. Um, I feel like he was kind of forgotten about with um, with getting suspended at the end of last year and carrying over into this year. But I really do think that he's um, he's a pretty good center fielder. I know that the A's are definitely going to be struggling offensively this year, but he's going to be sitting at the top of the batting order um, and in a position like center field where the, um, a lot of time there's not a lot of depth in that area. Um, I was excited to add him and um, G-Man Troy has just really been awful. I mean, he had like one good week at the beginning of the season and then got hurt and has just been really bad. Um, my second one that I'm very excited about so far, especially as to how it's played off so far is um, adding Yusei Kikuchi and dropping uh, Dakota, Dakota Hudson. I mean, I think struggling is a light way to put it for Dakota Hudson. His uh, Savant page is completely blue. He's um, third percentile in chase rate, fifth in whiff rate, um, which obviously will correlate to low strikeout percentage. Um, and he's walking a lot of guys too. And, you know, this would be, uh, this would be fine if he's a, a pitcher that just doesn't, doesn't strike a lot of guys out. But I mean, Nothing else is really good either. His batting average is bad. Slugging percentage is bad. ERA is bad. Um, this isn't really to say that Kikuchi is my favorite pitcher in the world. In fact, he also has a terrible analytics, analytics page. But he's at least been getting a decent amount of strikeouts. His fastball been de- has been decent so far. Um, mainly those two things combined with the fact that uh, he has a two-start week, um, one of which is being the Reds at home, really just screamed uh, stream to me. And so far that's played off so well pretty well with how he uh, performed on Monday night. Yeah, I actually thought about adding Kikuchi myself for this week. The, the Reds are, when you get no hit, when you no hit your opponent and still lose, like that's, technically, you want to stream that team. Not to be that guy, team. but technically it was not a no hitter as they only won eight innings. Not, a, not an official no hitter. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. But yeah, I mean, the Reds, um, are so bad. They kind of remind me of the Pirates last year where I would just try to stream whatever random picture was playing the Pirates regardless of how good they are. Yeah, it doesn't even look like the Reds are running out a real Major League lineup half the time, so I definitely get that. Yeah. All right, so now we're going to get into the more hard-hitting questions. So here's the first one. And I guess I know that we've mentioned we it's kind of a meme now where we mention research all the time in regards to your team. You even named you named your team about it. So we finally we finally got the uh, sort of like the inside joke with it out, I guess, last week. What made you really decide to step up your preparation game this year? Like what made you change your approach coming into this year where you decided I'm I'm going to do a lot more preparation and research coming into this year? as opposed to years prior i think it's a combination of the two, last of a couple things i mean the last two years my teams have really struggled coming off of um the year where i finished third in 2019 where i first kind of had success but the main thing is i realized that i had a good keeper pool i mean i had i was coming to the season with um devers um kyle tucker um brian reynolds tim anderson and michael kopek and um you know, some of those guys really haven't panned out. I mean, I picked uh, Samina in the keeper expansion, number one overall, which has not turned out super well. But um, I'm just, I just really couldn't afford to waste um, a good offense that I was coming in, that I was going to inherit into the season, which 
is actually kind of funny because um, I was looking earlier today and my um, my hitting, I think, is either eighth or ninth in the league right now. And my, my pitching is actually what's been carrying me, which is going into the season. Pitching was kind of an afterthought for me. Um, but yeah, just realizing that I couldn't I couldn't waste a good opportunity. I knew that I had a good a, a good keeper pull compared to some of the other teams that were going to be in my division. I just saw an opportunity and I was like, I'm going to put the effort in. I'm going to put, put the work in. And I um, just started scrolling through Reddit. Scroll. I talked to you about some websites that you use and I've just been reading a lot more. So I've been doing a lot of research. Uh, so I guess this would kind of go with that. Um, I, I noticed right away this year, I'm sure everybody did um, your increase in trades right out of the gate. I think you were involved in at least three right off the bat. And uh, I guess like what, so I know that you were not a huge trader in years past. Was that only due to the, the trade limit or is that just a change in philosophy where you're more aggressive this year? Um, I think a combination of both. I, I think the one thing that scared me with the trade limit, um, abolish the trade limit. Um, one, one thing that kind of scared me with that is there was such little wiggle room where, um, you know, if, if you made a move, uh, I don't know, let's say in like late April or something, that's like, I can't remember what we had, like eight or something. That's like, you know, one eighth of the transactions that you can use or whatever throughout the entire first, like three or four months of the season. And so I, a lot of the time I just felt kind of boxed in through that. Um, and I've never been a big trader in terms of like quantity of players. So I'd always try to make moves just here or there just you know fix one position fix one position fix one position um and, and that's how i am in fantasy football too i'm just I'm not a big like blockbuster trade kind of guy and so with you know the ability to make as many trades as i want this year i've had that i've had more of an opportunity to do okay let's do a two for one let's do a like three for two or a one for one type of thing um and just being able to slowly build my team up that way without using um, all of, like without using all the checks on my checklist for my transactions. So I think that, I think I think the trade limit is has been the big thing. Yeah, I mean, you say that you were just building up a couple, but some of those early deals, those were I would call those blockbusters in the sense of the at least the names being moved. I mean, if you're trading a big name for a big name, I mean. I get that it's a blockbuster. I mean, the the trade I had with Nick. I mean, Shane, a Shane for a Shane. Um, I mean, I guess those all have been big names, and all all the players involved um, have have really been towards the top of a lot of the leaderboards. I mean, Shane McClanahan has been great so far. I mean, Shane Bieber has been good besides the one start that he got lit up against the Blue Jays, who have just an incredible offense this year. Um, and then and then my trade with Mike. I mean. Getting Joe Musgrove, he's been one of the top pitchers. Pablo Lopez, he might still be leading the league in the area. I can't remember at this point in time. And um, Tim Anderson has been awesome this year, despite um, not playing a ton of games because he was suspended for like the first couple games of the season and everything. But and then um, you know, obviously getting um, Giolito from Jerwin was huge. So I guess there have been a lot of big names on the block whenever I've been trading. Uh, so I guess a little bit of a pivot here. You, you increased your research this year. We, we all know that, but 
what's are there any stats in particular that you really like to look at either for pitchers or hitters uh, that you kind of weigh more heavily than others when analyzing a player? I will forever have PTSD on Giancarlo Stanton and Golden Sombrero on Sunday Night Baseball. And through that, I have always been a huge uh, K percentage guy. I want to see how often these players are striking out, especially in our league format um, that penalizes you for strikeouts, which I think is a really good thing because it's, you know, a bad part of the game. Um, And so I really try a lot of the time. I mean, obviously I'm not perfect in this, but I try to get a lot of guys that um, don't strike out a lot. I try to not go for exclusively power hitters um, that are really boomer bust. They're going to get you, what is it like on a six points or something for a home run, but they are also going to get you a ton of negative ones for strikeouts. So, and then also strikeouts for pitchers too, because I've realized that there's a lot more grace and a lot more wiggle room. If you have a pitcher that strikes out uh, like eight guys in a start versus a guy who strikes out four people in a start, because, you know, that's realistically four extra hits that the strikeout guy can give up or an extra earned run or something like that, um, that the strikeout guy can give up where they're ultimately going to be getting the same number of points. Another thing. Oh, go ahead. No, no, keep going. Um, another thing that I tried to do for my pitchers, and I'm not entirely sure how I'm doing it now, but the one thing I, whenever I was coming into the season, I wanted to try to maximize my my um, win potential. So I tried to go um, for pitchers that were likely going to be on decent teams. Um, like I think I thought I was really high on the Mariners coming into this year. Um, obviously, they have not been great so far this year, but um, – I like the White Sox a lot. I think that they have a great team and they have a good chance to win their division. Um, the Padres, I also think, are a great team with Joe Musgrove. Um, I wanted teams that had good offenses as well to kind of complement um, to kind of complement my pitches to reduce the potential for loss and maximize the potential for win. Because at the end of the day, that's uh, could potentially be a ten point swing um, if you have a good outing but a terrible offense and you get a loss. All right, so this is this next question is definitely going to be, I guess, a tougher one in the sense that like it is kind of still, still pretty early, I guess. But we're we're kind of getting in the, uh, kind of getting into the transitioning into the middle part of the season, and you've made enough transactions and early enough that you've had plenty of time to kind of let them simmer per se. So, are there any transactions, either ads or drops, or even trades that look back you would you would not you would not do are there any that you that you regret making out of any of the ones that you've done this year are there trades or ad drops um i guess for trades i don't know if i really regret this yet because i still have a lot of faith in shane beaver but just seeing like it hurts whenever you pick a player for a good breakout and then they start the season with that breakout potential that you saw so um giving giving nick shane mcclanahan um it's tough, but I still think that I mean I still think that Shane Shane Bieber is elite and has a lot of potential there. But it hurts seeing uh, McClanahan do so well. But Nick and I had a really good uh, a really good negotiation for that, and I was really happy with um, the conversation that we had for that trade. So I don't know if I'd necessarily go back on that. In hi- I mean hindsight's twenty twenty, but it was um, it was tough to see that, but. I think one of my favorite transactions that I've made so far this year was actually adding uh, Clay Holmes, former Pirate, 
it's crazy um, that in 2022, I'm raving about having Clay Holmes on my team um, because I remember, was it, I can't, was it last year that he got traded? I don't really remember, but it was like, last year. We're like, the Yankees wanted Clay Holmes. What is going on with that? Um, but in reality, so I dropped Jose Suarez, who's actually been in the minor leagues for about like three weeks or so now. But Clay Holmes is actually like uh, the fifth relief pitcher right now. Um, set up man for Rolos Chapman. He's been getting some saves. He's been getting some wins. Uh, he's really just been doing everything. It, it, it seems like he's pitching almost every single day. I mean, he's in the 95th percentile on Baseball Savant for a lot of uh a lot of big categories for me has expected ERA, uh, expected batting average, slugging percentage, barrel percentage, all 95th percentile. And you may, you may say, Oh, well, it's only a month and a half into the season, but um, it's actually been a huge plus for Clay, for Clay Holmes throughout his career. He's actually been um, for the last year or so been actually in the 90th percentile or above that in all those major categories last year. So I think that he um, maybe now that he's finally on a good team or, Maybe it's just the curse of a pitcher leaving the Pirates, but he's having a, uh, I think, a good breakout breakout year for a setup man. Yeah, I mean, he's he's been good from. I don't know, I don't remember when they traded him, but he's he's been good pretty much since he got with the Yankees. So I mean, I, I don't like I don't, I don't really think this is a fluke with him. And you're you're right; it does seem like he pitches every single day. Every, every single day, I swear he'll. You know, if he's not, if they're losing. He'll give me three points for an innings pitched. If they're winning, he'll get me the hold or he'll get me the save. Or he's just been a real um, steady arm in the bullpen so far. All right, so this is my last question. This one's going to be, I guess, a little. This one's a little more fun. Um, and if you have any examples of this, uh, feel free to share. But what is the ideal Jordan guy? I I don't really know what the ideal Jordan guy is. I think that. Um, I think that I'm the type of guy who um, really just, like I said, wants someone who does not strike out a lot. And so I think that um, for the most part, I kind of want some contact guys. I want the guys who are going to have a high floor. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Honestly, I was really excited. I was like, oh, Ty France is going to be a great, uh, great Jordan guy in the future. I, he's has good keeper eligibility. And then I traded him to Jerwin for, for his son. So I, I don't know. I think just a guy who does not strike out, anyone who does not strike out can be welcomed into my family. I mean, if I, I guess if, if Jerwin can trade away Lucas Giolito, like that should tell you that nobody's safe. That's very true. So, I mean, I think Ty France could still be a Jordan guy. He could be, even though you traded him. He could also, I think Brian Reynolds has some Jordan guy potential as I've had him for, a couple of years now, um, although he's just been breaking my heart so far this year with how bad he's been playing. But yeah, it's been tough because he was kind of the uh, the one bright spot on the Pirates. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you got Cabrian Hayes too, but yeah, I don't know. David Bednar. I don't know. There's not a whole lot to love there. All right, so that wraps up our very first uh, manager interview. Thanks, Jordan, for participating in that. Uh, so that move, let's move right along to our next segment. And uh, we did have some debate over what to call this. Uh, so we, we settled on the, the juggernaut, uh, the juggernaut o meter or juggernaut ometer, however 
you want to say it. I don't care. Uh, basically, we're going to go through the, our current playoff teams, and uh, well, we'll just go through how I have this gauge. So, from eight to ten, that is a true title contender. Five to seven, that's kind of like the one and done, more so like the good, not great category, but still think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, three and four, that's like the, you're you're getting pretty fringy now. Uh, might miss playoffs entirely. And one and two, that is complete fraud, not even a playoff team. Uh, no business being in this discussion. So we're going to go th- – that's that's kind of how we're going to gauge the, the juggernaut-ometer. Uh, and we're going to go through the play of the current playoff team. So we'll start with the East. So as of today in the East, the top team is Nick. Uh, so, Jordan, I'll, I'll go – we'll let you lead off here. What is your rating for Nick's team? And why? I gave Nick an eight. I gave Nick an eight um, because rightfully so, he deserves to be a, uh, he deserves a nod in the title contender window that you presented being the top team as of right now. There's just a couple things that made me not want him to be a nine or a 10. Um, And it's not really a downfall. It's just a concern. It's just, um, you know, the likelihood of Eric Hosmer, Rally Telez, Willie Adamas um, likely cooling off after their um, really hot starts right now. So I think that um, I don't think that they'll be able to continue that, which could leave a couple holes in his offense. Um, and then my other slight concern is that he doesn't really have a lot of um, pitching depth right now. He has an incredible top five, probably one of the best, um, one of the best rotations in the league, but he doesn't really have a lot of depth there, and in a in a playoff matchup, um, in a playoff matchup, if he gets you know a week where all five of his guys only have one star, he doesn't really have a lot of opportunity. He's not really going to be able to uh, mix and match based off of matchups or based off of two star potential. Um, I think one thing that could be really helpful for him is just time because he has a lot of quality starting pitching on his um, injured list right now. But for that, I'm giving him an eight. Yeah, so I also have him as an eight. Um, definitely a true title contender. The pitching is awesome. Probably the top three, the, his top three starters, Freed, McClanahan, Rodon. We're right up there with the, with the best in the entire league. Uh, the offense, I had already said, had been on a, had shared a couple of weeks ago, um, on a historically good pace. Uh, I, I'm kind of with you, though. I, I don't really see. I don't see Eric Cosmer as kind of a legit breakout candidate. I think he's just getting a little lucky right now. Um, and then, so I, I am kind of a bigger, I'm a bigger believer in, I guess, in Willie Thomas than you, than you probably are. But I think the offense will still be very good. Um, but there is kind of a little bit of a lack of pitching depth. I'm, I'm not a believer in Hunter Green at all. Uh, I'm not sure when Rowanzi Contreras is going to contribute. Mackenzie Gore doesn't look like he has a rotation spot right now, which it's the, the Padres have a lot of injured arms, so I'm sure that that'll that won't last all season. But it, it's just kind of a there's a couple question marks there where it's it, this isn't it's it's not a perfect roster. It's a very very good roster though, and definitely definitely one one of the top two teams in the entire league. Agreed. So. We'll move on next to the very next team in the East Division. That is Sam. What did you give Sam on the 
juggernaut-ometer? I gave Sam a nine. Um, I, I don't really have a lot to add to Sam's team because I feel like you and Nate have talked extensively about his team. Um, in my opinion, it is the best and most complete roster. He's the top-scoring team despite um, star Wet Merrifield really struggling out of the gate besides um, I believe that he had a pretty good week last, last week. Um, something that's a uh, concern I had about Nick's team is um, he just has five good starters, whereas Sam's team, he has um, an elite group of starters, but he also has some pitching depth where in a playoff matchup, he would be able to mix and match based off of matchups or a two-star pitcher versus one-star pitcher. And I, I really like the, a lot of the bullpen arms that he has, which can limit the, uh, the buzzword of the uh, blown save loss. Yeah, so I, I also... We're, we're off to a roaring start here. I also gave Sam a nine. That's crazy. Wow. <laughs> we, uh, Jake and I did not know each other's numbers at all. So, yeah, this is, I mean, what did we expect? We, yeah, that's just a trend on this podcast. But yeah, I, I just, I guess just to echo what you said a little bit, um, Whit Merrifield's decline is a little bit concerning. It doesn't really have, uh, I don't think he has a really ready made replacement for him. In at second base, if this really is kind of it for Whit Merrifield, uh, that's kind of the really that's for me looking at it, that's sort of the only hole right now. I know Castellanos hasn't performed as well as you'd hope, and then Austin Riley has not has not either. But I, I kind of I, I do have a lot of faith in both of those guys. Uh, love Corey Seager, I think he's going to turn it around. So I, I do have a, I do have more faith in some of the slower starters. So if anything, I actually think Sam's team might get better rather than worse. Um, obviously, that that pitching staff is insane. I love to see the return of of Zach Gallon. I've been a big Zach Gallon fan ever since he entered the league. And it's really nice to see him turn around and be kind of get back to being that guy that we had hoped he would be. I wish it was on my team, but that's on me for not being it for not being a believer. Uh, so we'll go to the third team now, and this is this is my team. Uh, Jordan, what what is your what's your rating on the juggernaut ometer? Which I'm going to flip back between juggernaut ometer and juggernaut ometer. So just deal with it. Okay, I uh, I'm taking a deep dive here. I'm going from a nine for Sam's team, and I'm dropping you to a three. Oh yeah, so that is that's in the might miss playoffs category. I I'm sorry. But I feel like somebody has to say it. Um, I don't think Jake's team is very good. And combined with the fact that it's in a very tough division, um, I think that the title window has temporarily closed. Um, unless your offense gets healthy and produces like they were supposed to coming into it. I know that um, you have a couple injuries right now. There's a lot of holes in the pitching staff that's really relying um, breakout stars continuing to be breakout stars. Um, Sandoval has struggled so far this year. Morden has struggled so far this year. Um, the only bright spot in the pitching staff is uh, Justin Verlander, who's 39 years old and coming off Tommy John surgery. We don't know what his longevity this year is going to look like. Um, so I'm just really not seeing a lot of good things from Jake's team. Yeah, I, I settled on... Kind of a similar number. I was I was back and forth between a five and a four. I ultimately just kind of went with a four. Okay, so I don't feel as bad since you. Yeah, I mean, number. I still think I I think I I think right now, and I guess this will this will be reflected in my ratings. But 
I think I am the fourth best team. I have the fourth best roster out of the East Division right now. So that does put me more in the danger zone in terms of missing the playoffs because the top three are guaranteed a spot. After that, you gotta you gotta win to be it to get in. So in that regard, yeah, that, that should probably drop farther. But I, I do think my offense is a lot better than it has been and it has been performed so far. Yeah. Um Guerrero, uh Soto, even Alvarez, I think is pretty underrated. Um those top three are in our format absolute studs. Uh Correa and Brian, I'm hoping when they come back. Even Story, I think he, he's this is probably the lowest that he'll perform all year. I know he had a rough year last year. I, I have some some of my stars are either hurt or underperforming. I think that'll rebound. I know that Verdugo his uh he's had some improvements with his launch angles actually despite the despite the results early on. I'm still kind of I'm still pretty excited about him. Uh but I I think that my offense will be a good deal better as offense starts to pick up uh, the pitching staff though. That is, that's a valid concern. I, I am relying a lot on, on streamers and uh, Verlander is really, has really only been my consi- my one consistent set and forget pitcher. Uh, I have play, had to play matchups a little more than I would have wanted to, but you know, I'm hoping some, a couple of these guys can, can start to settle in. I Clevenger had a good start today. I, la- I really, really like Alex Cobb a lot. Uh, so I'm hoping that I can get a couple, couple solid pieces, but yeah, I don't think you're too far off. This isn't, this isn't a team that I, that I think is a lock for the playoffs. It's not a, not a Jake Beamer championship team. No, this is not the typical, opinion. this is not the typical. Well, at least in, in, in your teams in the past too, I feel like have been so elite pitcher heavy. I feel like you've always had a top three team in terms of pitching, but I feel like the role has reversed this year where I really really do not like an overwhelming majority of your pitching staff. But then, I mean, I guess I was a little unfair on your offense because it has some big names. And I really, I think if those names can get healthy, like Chris Bryant can get healthy. Um, who's the other guy on your bench that's injured right now? Correa. Correa, yeah. If Correa can get healthy, then I definitely think maybe your offense can carry you into the playoffs. But I think that to be more than a like a, a three or four, I need something from the pitching staff. Yep, uh, I don't I don't disagree there. Uh, so we'll kick it over to the West Division, and we'll start off with the team currently in first and who's been kind of settled into that spot for a couple of weeks. Where do you have Eddie on the juggernautometer? Uh, I have Eddie at a six. Uh, okay. His relief pitchers leave a lot to be desired. I also don't have a lot of faith um, in Brad Keller as a regular starter. I know that, you know, we, you, you guys talked about it earlier, how he tweaks some stuff in his approach. Um, I'm just not a Brad Keller believer. Um, but I think the one area that Eddie's team is really going to improve on that can get him to a seven or maybe an eight is once, um, once Cattell Marte starts to figure out his early season struggles, because I think that's going to be, um, a huge piece for him to come back into his offense once once he gets uh, his struggles situated. Um, Pete Alonzo continues to be excellent, and I need Adam Frazier to be, um, you know, the first month and a half Adam Frazier and the first half of 2021 Adam Frazier and not fall off um, like he did at the end of last year. 
And so I also have Eddie as a six for wow. one of the same we, reasons. Yeah, I this can't believe yeah the drama. <laughs> but anyways, I mean he he's got a good team. I think I I don't know that it's necessarily a lot better than any than some of these other teams in the in the West Division though. So that's that would be my only concern in in that regard. I, I definitely think he's he's a playoff team for sure. Oh, without a uh, doubt, I think that he'll be in the playoffs. Yeah, Scherzer's been fantastic. I I actually I I, I don't like Keller, like like you said, um, but he does have. He's got some. He's got. They're they're all kind of boring, but they they could be thrown in in the right matchup. But I think he's got enough depth that way that. You could probably get by where um, his top four in Scherzer, Rodriguez, Manea, and Garcia. Uh, I think you're probably starting them pretty regularly. So I don't know that having a weak, weaker fifth option is kind of a death sentence. I don't, I don't really see that. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I think you can get by with having with with a streaming those guys in the in the right matchups, but. Yeah, I agree with you. Cattell Marte coming back to returning to stardom would be a would be a big first step. But yeah, I, I have it. I also have it as a six. So we'll we'll move on to your team now. I'm really interested to hear how high you are on your own roster. Uh, after all that research, where do you have your team on the juggernaut meter? So uh, when when Jake gave me the 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 juggernaut. No meter. Um, I started doing some research. I went into the lab at the institute, and we came out with a seven. Um, my main concern is with Marcus Simeon and Brian Reynolds. Um, in their current form, they were supposed to be well. I guess in their previous form, they were supposed to be huge pieces on a big offense that I was excited about. But in their current form, they just leave huge holes in my offense. Um, I think. Um, like you and Nate and guests have said, um, a lot of my success is going to depend on Shane Bieber and Robbie Ray, who have been very hit or miss so far to start the season. Um, like I said, with some other teams talking about their relief pitching, I think that I have some really good relief pitchers this year that should help um, steady, the, steady the ship and prevent major collapses come playoff time. But um, just a couple holes that were too big to give me into that title contender window right now. Yeah. So I have you as a six. Um, I, I guess it's just like the offense has not quite performed how we thought it would. Cause I thought, I definitely thought that this offense was going to be, and it's still very well could be, I mean, Marcus Simeon and Brian Reynolds are plenty talented to turn around, but uh the offensive underperformance has given me a little bit of pause, plus the uh, the early season struggles of Shane Bieber. Um, I, I, I guess the pitching should be good for Shane Bieber, regardless of whether he's whether he's good or not. Um, I do kind of the Robbie Ray sort of restored my faith these last couple starts. Um, Joe Musgrove has been fantastic. Uh, your even your relief pitchers are they're still pretty good. And then I, I do really like Giolito a lot. Um, I know he's I know he's COVID right now, but still really like him a lot. Uh, you still have some really good pieces on offense, though, like Freddie Freeman, Devers, Kyle Tucker. Those are going to provide you a very solid floor. Uh, I, I think that your your team right now is more of a floor team. 
but I could see the ceiling getting higher if some of these guys, I mean, it's kind of a, kind of like a duh statement, but like I could see the ceiling really getting pretty high up into that next, even that next tier of the, like the title contender tier with a return to, uh, to stardom from Reynolds and Simeon. And even if, if Bieber starts to pick it up. So I do think that there is some, there is a lot higher of a ceiling maybe is here for your team than maybe some other teams. But right now I, I, I kind of need to see it from some of those. I need to see some flashes from some of those guys before, before I put you in that category. Yeah. It's crazy. The, uh, the ones that we've had been different on so far have just been our own. Let's see if this uh, continues with Courtney's team, Jake, uh, why don't you continue with your monologue and give me uh, give me what you have for Courtney. Uh, so I'm going to give even more bulletin board material and give her a five. You're joking uh, me. I gave her a five too. Oh, you're good. You gave her a five too. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, there's there, it does look like there, I don't think the whole, the holes on the team are glaring, but it does look like there are some, some weak points. I do like the offense quite a bit. Uh, Bryce Harper has been fantastic. Aaron judge has been phenomenal. Uh, but the problem is I, I don't, I know that I have kind of championed, you know, relief pitching doesn't matter for a while, but the relief pitching is pretty bad. There's not one guy in that bullpen that I, I feel good about and that I feel like there's not, there's not a chance this guy's going to uh, blown safe. lost my week this week. I don't know that there's a guy in that bull, I guess maybe Michael Lorenzen cause he's a starter, but even him, I could, he seems very matchup based to me. Um, I do like the pitching quite a bit. I'm a huge fan of Frankie Montas. Zach Wheeler looks like he's okay now, but the the relievers really need some work. And besides Judge and Harper on offense, I think this is more. I think this is more good than great. Yeah, I I agree with basically everything you said. Um, I'm I'm gonna. The reason I gave her a five is because of um, her starting pitching, I think, which has underperformed to start the year. I think that um, Zach Wheeler and you Darvish are two names that I would like to see um, have better outings. But uh, we got to give her some praise for Logan Gilbert, who she finally started putting in her lineup. It's funny, you know, she finally started winning once she put Logan Gilbert in her starting lineup. Um, but yeah. The the relief pitching, I mean, I, I feel like I've touched on everybody's relief pitching just because it's been such a huge topic. But in the playoffs, um, I want a relief, a set of relief pitchers that give me the least um, likelihood of destroying my season. And you're exactly right with her with her relief pitching staff. I mean, that those are a lot of players that I could easily see just erupting for uh, like four runs or something stupid like that in the ninth inning or um so honestly, you know, hearing you talk, I, I kind of want to give her less than a five. Uh, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe I'll give her a four. Maybe I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna finalize on a four. Okay, so that that counts as us being different. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the first wild card, and that is JC's team. So why don't you tell me what you got, what you settled on on the juggernaut ometer for JC? I am going to give Justin a seven. Um, I really don't see a lot of holes in Justin's team. Um, he has a reliable couple couple pitchers and a lot that he can play. 
with matchups off of his bench, which is something that I've hit on with a lot of other teams. The relief pitching, I think, is very good. Um, going to prevent the collapses. The offense isn't terrible either, even with a few guys struggling to start the year. I think he's easily going to be a top three team in the East by the end of the season. Yeah, I also gave him a seven. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Again, Jake and I did not talk at all before this. I can't believe this. Yeah, it's pretty wild that we have the same numbers for just about everybody. But, Everyone I mean, except I for our own teams. Yeah, I, I I don't really have a ton to add. It's It's actually kind of similar to your team where – I actually think that there's, I guess there's another level that JC can reach here. Salvador Perez has been underperforming. He's actually hurt right now. Uh, Bo Bichette, who was supposed to be one of his best, probably his best hitter coming into the year, uh, has really underperformed so far. And I don't really, I don't expect that to continue at all. Just the lineup that he's in and the talent that he has, he should be fine. Uh, really like the pitching staff. Manoa is he looks like he's taking the next step. I, I really like him. I'm a fan of Joe Ryan. I know Walker Bueller's kind of, uh, he's been a little underwhelming this season. It's just both in terms of results and also stuff has not been there for him. But I mean, he plays for the Dodgers and he's still a very good pitcher. So the floor is still very high with him, even if maybe the same ceiling doesn't exist. Uh, and I, I totally agree with you, is that he has the, the depth pitcher in Scott. A uh, really solid pen. I think Liam Hendricks is, is going to start coming around and turning into that ace reliever that we've seen in past years. And it's just not a lot of holes on this roster. And I I think that there's another there's another level that he could reach here uh, beyond the one that he's showing right now. So that leads us to our final playoff team, and that is that is Mike. So he's kind of come on in the last couple weeks uh, on a bit of a heater here. I know we just lost last week, but uh, definitely improved in recent weeks over the um, over the start of the year, and now finds himself occupying the final playoff spot. So, what do you have for Mike on the juggernaut o meter? I gave Mike a five. Um, I thought if you would ask me this a couple weeks ago, I I might have said a two or a three, um, but I think that he's done a great job getting back into relevancy and having a few solid weeks in a row. He's made um, a lot of big moves, getting some big time players and Otani, Trey Turner, Pablo Lopez, and in three different trades. Um, He's putting a lot of the pieces together. Um, Tatis is going to be coming back eventually. Hopefully he'll continue to be himself. Um, Is it going to be enough though to make a run? Um, I don't yet think so. I think that if anyone has the capability of, turning it around it's mike but uh I, I i hesitate to give him more than a five at this point uh so we are we're going to end a little different so i i gave mike a four um i think he's done a pretty good job addressing some of his team needs i really like bringing in trey turner uh i, I liked the move to bring in otani as well I'm thinking he might need to use him uh as a pitcher though pretty soon because this i i do not like really like the pitching staff much at all um, Iglesias is kind of a reliever ace in my, at least in my view. But after that, uh, Duvall's kind of been in and out of the Giants closer situation. He hasn't been spotless thus far either. Um, not noted. I, I am, it, it is kind of what everybody should be aware. I'm not a Ranger Suarez fan. Um, but Julio Rios, we have some serious velocity concerns with him. Uh, he just got lit up last time and 
it, it he looks like a different pitcher than he did last year. Uh, Pablo Lopez is really the only the only one of his starters that I feel real good about if we're not counting Otani. So I, I am a little. If there's one thing that I'm really concerned about with his team, it's definitely that. Uh, I'm not a Castillo guy. I don't really like Kluber. Please act really meh. Uh, and there's just Flexen and Syndergaard don't really do it for me either. So there, there's a lot of there's a lot of pitchers that there that. I mean, if you only, if I only feel good about one, that's kind of in the it's kind of the same way that I sort of feel about my pitching staff in the sense that there's one set it and forget it guy. I guess you could kind of. I guess you could count. You should count hilarious as a set of forget a guy. I take that back. But I don't know. I feel good. I feel better about my secondary options. Than, a lot better about my the secondary options on my team than I do about the ones on on his. I definitely feel a little worried about that. I don't think that. I don't like. Like I said, I don't like Castillo, uh, and then some of these other secondary options aren't real good. But. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the offense should be should be good. Rendon's carrying. Rendon is coming around. Uh, I do expect Muncie to get better. Um, and then again, you got Trey Turner and even Otani. You could you could use either way, but I I think with the roster construction right now, I might give him a real look at, at a at the pitcher spot. But I th- I think this this roster overall has does still have a lot of holes, and um, I think that's why I'm giving it a four. So and that will conclude the juggernaut-ometer, juggernaut-o-meter. Uh, so let's move on now to the around the league portion. Well, I guess we got to go to the matchup preview first. Sorry to pull up the, uh, the itinerary here. <laughs> you can tell that I'm rusty leading the podcast. All right, things to watch for. Jordan, what is your thing to watch for for this upcoming week? I'm looking at some separation. We're getting into uh, the thick of the season now. We're on week six, which is approximately a quarter of the way through the regular season. I think after this week, we're going to start to see a lot of separation from the top teams and the bottom teams. Um, if the teams at the bottom don't show some sort of life in the next uh, in the next week or two, I think we're going to start seeing some people considering selling and gearing up for next year. So I kind of have a similar thing to watch for and this is mainly for well, I guess this is for a couple teams uh, and that is will we start to will we see a real roster shakeup style trade by a team or maybe even multiple teams near the back of the standings uh, we are getting I think we're far enough into the year now where you got to do some serious soul searching if you're not if you're not happy with how your roster is uh, the it's the it's early I don't want to say excuse because I think that that was perfectly valid for most of the, for most of the year, but it's not quite so early anymore. And the sample size is probably big enough at this point where we're starting to see some of the true colors for players. Uh, and I'm wondering if some of these rosters and teams in the back will maybe start to, to, to try to really shake up their rosters to, I want to say, I guess spark, just find something here to find some success and kind of work their way into the playoff picture. It's weird to say that. I mean, like they're not even, they're not that far out of the playoff picture. Nate and Jerwin are only one game out and even Brennan and Scott, I mean, they're only two games out, but uh, I, I guess it would be even, even as bad as far back as they are. 
if you're if you're sitting under 500 it doesn't it doesn't ever feel good so um wondering if they're maybe we maybe we'll see a bigger bigger trade this week or in the near future uh so let's move on here to the matchup picks uh so just a matchup I kind of alluded to this earlier the matchup prediction records for Nate and I do not look pretty this year. Nate is sitting at nine and fifteen. I'm at twelve and twelve. Uh, the guest, on the other hand, has been very good at twelve and six. So Jordan will look to keep that going. Uh, but yeah, tough, tough showing here for in the early going for the for the hosts of this for the normal hosts of this podcast. Uh, so we'll start with the first one: Gone Forever versus the Walk Institute of Research. That's Eddie versus Jordan. Jordan, who do you have for this one? I did my research, and I have decided that I will be winning this matchup. Walk Institute of Research. I also have you in this matchup. I do think it'll be very close. I guess before we continue, what's going on with the sports book? When are we, when are we starting that? I don't know. I mean, there just hasn't been a lot of interest. I feel like I sent out that little questionnaire asking what people thought and nobody really responded so i don't know if i'm gonna do it i don't know if you if you want if you want me to do it send a send a text in the chat and i can start it up but i don't know we'll see yeah we'll have to figure something out here next next pick or i guess the next matchup we got this is brendan versus sam brendan looking for to knock off another top team in the east division who do you have for this one i have sam the weak pullout hitter um advancing in this matchup yeah i i it's i guess it's well known i i have to pick sam basically in every matchup to stay consistent with my with my bold prediction i think i'm going to stay away from that next year i don't like being locked into a pick but yeah i, I just to stay consistent i'm going to take sam i mean i also think he's going but got to take sam to stay consistent the next matchup we have scott versus nate uh, I have Nate winning this one. I oh, wait a second. Scott, this is the wrong. No, one. this is against uh, Scott is playing Justin this week. The NFTs, I believe. Okay, I sorry, I have Justin this one. I, I, I guess have, I can't read. Yeah, I wrote down. I wrote down that he was playing Justin, so nobody says that it's my fault. Um, I I also have the NFTs winning this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna put out a rebrand notice to Scott. Uh, I think that Scott um, has clearly struggled this year. I would like to see a rebrand out of Scott uh, and turn his team around. I think yeah. I agree with you there on the sense that like there's no there's no historical reason to keep team no name. It's like you're a brand new expansion team. You just can't well, I guess you're not really an expansion team, but you're taking over you're taking over a roster. You don't really have that uh, that nostalgia value with team no name. So I think that since you haven't found success with that name. It's time to switch it up. It's time to rebrand, give the guy something to be proud of, really try to turn the ship around in the best way possible. And that's always with a rebrand, unless you're Courtney. Yes. I, I think that if you, especially, I mean, like he's at the bottom of the standings right now. He has the lowest points for, he needs, he needs to switch it up and a rebrand will do that. Yeah. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And I, I would even go as far as to say maybe a new logo to go with it. Yes. All right, now we're moving on to the next one. Uh, this is the game that Nate is actually playing in, and that is versus Courtney. Uh, who do you got in this one? 
I am sending a notice out to Nate this week. I'm putting this one in the must-win category for Nate. And I think he gets it done. I think that if he loses this matchup, um, he'll drop to, at best, 3-8, and eight, while the team ahead of him, Courtney, gains a game, at least one game. Um, I think that he, I think from a morale standpoint, after having the heartbreaking loss last week, I think that he really needs this one badly. All right. So I went with Courtney in this one and, uh, just on like a mini here right now. Um, I think her team kind of underperformed early on and now we're seeing it swing back the other way. Uh, so now we're going to go to my matchup and this is versus Nick. Uh, so who do you got in this one? I have uh, I have Nick falling to Jake's fantasy baseball team this week in an upset. I think that um, something that I alluded to earlier in those situations where he only has five starts out of his big guys and you have a lot more than that. I know that's quality versus quantity, but um, I think not having any two-star pitches is going to hurt for him this week, and I think that you're going to take it. Well, so after after – Trashing my team early on, you're now predicting my team to have, I guess we call this the biggest upset of the week. Uh, you know, a, uh, a broke clock is still right twice a day. I mean, you can, you're still going to win matchups. You're not <laughs> going to be good, but you can still win matchups. That, that is true. I could, I could still pull it out every once in a while. Uh, so that leads us to our... Well, I didn't even give my pick. I'm picking Nick because I don't, I, again, I don't think my team is, I, I like Nick's team a good deal more than mine. Uh, and I'll take the quality over the quantity. But I hope it doesn't end up that way. Uh, so we'll move on to the last the last matchup now. We got Jerwin, Team Positivity versus Big Money Mike. Uh, who you got in this one? I am taking my man, Big Money Mike, to continue the onslaught of Jerwin and to send him further down into the standing, Big Money Mike. I'm also taking Mike in this one, but that would be a real, I don't want to say, I guess maybe crushing blow would be too harsh, but might be time to start. I don't want to say panicking, but being that far down the standings might, that's going to be kind of tough for to rebound from. If, I mean, you can't really panic if you're positive, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how that really works over there. They, they do some strange things on that they team. Do. All right, so now we're going to get into the around the league portion of the podcast. And I wanted to do a little different uh, league history fact. Um, what I should have done is done something with the uh, probably historically close matchup between Nate and Eddie from last week and the crazy finish we just had. But I didn't. And that's something that I will I will just have to live with. Uh That'll be for another day. But league history fact, um, Justin Verlander is currently the number one overall player so far this year at age 39. Uh, And I guess this league history fact, I can't even call it a real league history fact because this I'm going to cite stats that kind of predate our league by quite a few years. But uh, this is more so just to celebrate the dominance. That is three of my favorite old guys in Clayton Kershaw, Justin Verlander, and Max Scherzer. Uh, since Kershaw, Scherzer and Kershaw both debuted in 2008, uh, really these three have dominated have dominated the major leagues using and using our scoring. Uh, Verlander has finished as the top overall player twice. He's been a top five pitcher seven times, 
and he's topped 20 points per game three times. Kershaw's peak was really unparalleled. He finished as the top overall player three times, top five pitcher six times, and he got over 20 points per game six, in an incredible six times, which is just nuts. And then Scherzer, top player twice, top five pitcher six times. He's gotten over 20 points per game three times. I just want to highlight this year, though. So since 2008, I'm not counting this year. That's been 13 years. For seven of those, one of these guys has been the top overall player. That is nuts that it's just as the, these three guys. They're the, they, I've always really liked these guys. I used to, I used to uh, collect baseball cards when I was, and these, these were some of the guys that I really liked. They, they were the, the new and exciting pitchers when I started, when I was, when I was really into that. So uh, you think of all the guys that are coming up now that we get really excited about, like the McClanahan's and, no, it was like these were those guys for me back when I was collecting baseball cards or first started really getting into baseball. So it is it, it's been really fun. I just wanted to give those guys some flowers and kudos and uh, just sort of highlight the just the, the dominance that has been those three guys, uh, not only in fantasy, but, you know, in in real life baseball as well. Uh, anything to add on those, Jordan? Yeah, I mean, it's just crazy when you talk about the absolute dominance. It's going to be um, it's going to be a sad day for baseball whenever they retire, but a very, uh, very joyous day when they're rightfully inducted into the Hall of Fame. All right, so let's move on to the um, uh, news and notes. We're going to wrap up the podcast here. So the first one, some bad news. Uh, it was a really tough week for some pitchers that we like, at least for pitchers that I really like. Uh, Tyler, Tyler McGill, Clayton Kershaw, and Jesus Lazardo, they all ended up on the IL this week. Um, not sure what's going when they're going to be back. None of the none of none of the early I guess the diagnosis looks doesn't look great for any of them. Uh, I mean, it's not a death sentence by any means, but uh, a lot of kind of more vague timetables have been floating around. Really, there's only one that has a potentially exciting replacement, and even that kind of is far from guaranteed. And I'm talking about uh, with the Marlins, with Jesus Lazardo going on the IL. Maybe this opens the door for uh, Max Mayer, but Colin Poteet right now is taking the rotation spot. He's not been he's not very good, and Elias Hernandez is also struggling. Maybe we see Mayer's time coming, but how excited are you to kind of to see him? You know, I really just don't get that excited about pitching prospects. Um, I think I, I, I think I get a lot more excited about hitting prospects. Um, so I guess to answer your question, I'm not super excited about him coming because, like, I just feel like a lot of up-and-coming big-time pictures just kind of almost get babied into the league where they kind of have shorter starts, they get on strict inning limits. So I feel like it's harder for them to reach their full potential, whereas hitters, you know, um, for the most part, they're starting every day. They're getting regular bats. Um, so they're getting a lot more playing time. So I, it's kind of an F for me. Well, we're going to move on and talk about a guy who was one of those top hitting prospects not that long ago. Feels like it was forever ago, though. And we'll start with the news that Jared Kalenic was sent down to AAA on Friday. His slash line before that was 140, 219, and 291. I don't need to tell anybody that that is very, very bad. 
uh, carried an alarming 37.5% K rate, obviously not a Jordan guy. Uh, And the really kind of the concerning part is the Mariners did this despite having outfield depth issues. Uh, They have both Mitch Hanniger and Kyle Lewis hurt right now. Uh, So I guess, I mean, is, is it too early to call him a bust? Um, I would say it it is too early to call him a bust. I mean, I don't even think he's played a full season worth of games yet. Um, it could just be you know rookie jitters or something. But I think that he really has a lot to lot to improve on. And you know, going off of that, um, thirty seven point five K percentage to put it into something that most of us, I think, as as Pittsburgh people and Pirates fans would note. Um, I'm going to bring up Cole Tucker, who I think swung at absolutely everything. For example, last year, um, he was very, very, very bad. His K percentage last year over the entire year, 25.2. 25.2% was Cole Tucker's strikeout percentage. So picture that and then add 12.5% higher. Really, really just unbelievably bad. Yeah, I guess for my the second part of this, um, I know that he's droppable in redraft leagues. I believe Scott is still holding on to him right now. Do you consider him droppable for our league? Uh, I think that I would. I'm not sure what where you'd be able to be kept next year, but to, I think to warrant, you know, it's not like you're getting you're going to be getting three years of value with him like you did last year. Um, you're going to be getting him at a much steeper round. Um, I think that there's going to be need to be a huge, huge amount of improvement out of him to warrant being kept again. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think we're getting to the. I mean, I, I actually think we're past the point where he's probably droppable in in this league. It's. I know we were pretty excited for him coming in, but man, he has showed. He is. If there is a sign that he's close to turning around and turning into a even just an average contributor, I mean, I. I, I missed it because I don't. I, I don't really see anything here right now. It's just, it's just absolutely nothing. I mean, just the, the fact that he's striking out over a third of the time, is just remarkable, honestly. Yeah, there, there's, like, there's just nothing that I'm that I'm seeing yeah. with him right now that makes me, makes me think that he's going to be a, even even an average contributor in the near future. But I mean, I hope I hope it turns out for him. I, I think he could like the tools are there for him to be an exciting, an exciting player. But man, has it been a rough go so far? Betty regrets not taking that uh that pre that extension that the the Mariners offered him. I believe it was spring training last year. Yeah. Uh so I guess this one's a little more lighthearted, but I feel like it's it's notable since this is the only the, this is only the sixth time this has happened. The, the, Pirate, the Pittsburgh Pirates won a game. It feels like this is only the sixth time that the Pirates have won, but it's not. Uh, the, the Pirates won a game, one other thing in which they had zero hits. Uh, it's the first time. It's only this. It's the sixth time that that has ever happened where a team has not had a hit and still won the game. Uh, I guess like the Pirates are just. I guess with with O'Neill Cruz not not being up at least for me. And Reynolds not playing well. Hayes has seemed to cool off. It's tough to get excited about the major league team right now. 
Um, I'll be honest, since I got MLB TV, I've watched zero pirate games this year. Uh, have you watched one pirate game this year? I have Start watched there. I have watched one pirate game this year. More than one pirate game this year. Um, I have been to one, which I guess technically that counts as watching, right? I watch opening day every year just because I enjoy getting excited about the season. I'm going to say that I've watched maybe five-ish games. It's hard because um, I have YouTube TV, so I don't get AT&T, Sportsnet um, a lot of the time. So I mostly have to watch it whenever I'm at Mara's place and I force her to watch it. But I guess while she's working, I watch it. But yeah, we not, lot, not a lot of opportunities. A way, way to convert her to a baseball fan, forcing her to watch the Pittsburgh Pirates. Well, that's, she gets off of work like three hours later than I do, so I'll go over there, and while I'm doing chores around the house, I'll just turn the game on. That's it's fair. an afternoon game. Or I think we, I think we already touched on this a little bit, but I, I did want to shout this out because this is very impressive. Bryce Harper has a small tear in his UCL, which that is usually like the, that's the Tommy John surgery ligament when that's torn. That's that's the you know, like that's what that's what pitchers don't like to see. You know, you're getting the second opinion and all that. But that's the Tommy John surgery ligament. He has a small tear in his UCL right now, but he's he's continued to DH. We you you spoke on it earlier. He just he was the top hitter last week, despite this, and he's been fantastic all year. Uh, right now, the timetable though, he's not expected to resume fielding until at least mid June. Um. He also missed it, missed today. He got a, I believe it was a cortisone shot. Um, missed today. I believe he's supposed to miss tomorrow as well. Um, I guess the, the biggest thing, uh, the question here is, is this a sell high situation where we know that like he, Bryce Harper is playing kind of at the peak of his powers right now, but he does have this torn UCL and we saw how that affected um Corey Seeker, when he had back when he had uh, torn UCL and he was trying to play through it, um, I know there's been other players where it hasn't turned out real well for them, but really anything, and I would say that a torn UCL is a pretty significant injury, not so much as a hitter, but um, anything like that where it's you know you have a have an injury, it's not it's not going to go away. He's not going to get surgery in the middle of the season, or at least I I don't think he is. Is this a sell high situation where you might look to if Harper was on your team, would you look to kind of flip him while he's before, maybe before it gets ugly, or do you do you have faith that Harper is going to continue to perform at an MVP level for the rest of the year? I mean, Bryce Harper is one of those guys that just his name alone gets a lot of publicity um, from around the league, and also the fact that he has been doing uh like you said mvp type numbers again this season um i would definitely consider it especially if i'm in a if i'm in a position where i need a couple other positions um if i if i'm struggling with pitching or something you can definitely ship him off and get a top tier pitcher i would say right now um but it definitely is concerning i mean anytime you know that the experts always say oh it's you know he's gonna work through play through the pain but you can only pay, play through the pain for so long. Um, so I, I definitely, I personally would not be a buyer in that, but I think it's, yeah, it, it it's is, be an idea. 
interesting to, to think about. I mean, I, I really liked Harper coming into the year, but this is definitely concerning. It hasn't very impressive that it has not seemed to impact him in the slightest at all. Just so far, he's been, it looks like last year, he's, looks, he's putting up MVP numbers. So that does, that does give me a little bit of pause saying that he would be a sell high, but definitely concerning to have, have your star, your star player, the best hitter on your team and know that he's going to be playing with a tear in his UCL all year. Yeah. I agree. Right, so, so that wraps up the podcast for this week. Uh, thanks Jordan for stepping in to fill in for the host this week. Um, believe I'm off next week. Uh, so I think that your hosts will be Nate and Sam. Uh, so good luck to them doing the next podcast. Uh, they get to they get to lead off with the first week of our interleague play, our interdivision play. I don't know what we're going to call it. Uh, Jordan, any concluding thoughts before we wrap up here? Um, gonna go go out and uh, do some more research. Love to see it. Uh, thanks again for stepping on for stepping in here. Yep. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Nate, for asking me to step in for you. And uh, we will see you next week.